Psych. <laughs> that would be pee psych. Pee psych. He's so good though. And then he does pee on the car. <laughs> he does. I love that. Why, hello, maniacs. Hey, maniacs. Long time no see. Oh, my gosh. It's been forever since we did an episode. Oh, wait a minute. We did a mini one earlier this week. It's been like four days (laughs) since we last recorded an episode. Our big two weeks off. I got to tell you, we have some trouble taking breaks. (laughs) We're not very good at it. But hey, what is this anyway that we're doing? This is Midsummer Maniacs, a recap podcast dedicated to IVDV series Midsummer Murders each week. We dig into the episode of the show, including the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. I have to tell you guys, you can't, you can't see this. But while we were away, one of the things that happened was that Mark grabbed uh, an old monitor that we'd had sitting around and set it up where he sits while we record. So now he's got his new snazzy glasses and his headphones and his mic and his great big monitor and his soundboard. And he's looking so professional over there. I even have a notepad. You look like you're really on it. I try to be. You are. (laughs) Of course you are. Just a warning. If you watch, if you let your kids watch the show, they can listen to the podcast. But if you don't let them watch the show, it's probably not the podcast for them. You mean this isn't a podcast for kids? No, it's not. I have to click that button Every single week on YouTube. Does it make you feel dirty? No. This is not for kids. This is not for kids. (laughs) Wow. So what have we done with the last two weeks? Uh, I got vaccinated fully. Yeah. You got your second shot. And your second one made you feel kind of logy for a day. Yeah. I felt logy and watched young Sherlock Holmes with all the Midsummer cameos. (laughs) (laughs) While you were sitting on the couch all day. Uh, Yep. Um, So not only is... Young Sherlock Holmes in a Midsummer episode, but also Toby. Freddie Jones. Freddie Jones. Toby is Jones's it. dad. Toby Jones's dad is, is in, in it, it yeah. as well. So. Well, no, you just went on a whole TV tear for the whole day watching things related to Midsummer. You watched The Italian Job, which is referenced in this episode we're talking about today. Yes. <laughs> Young Sherlock Holmes. And uh, what else did we do? Uh, oh, we rented a dumpster. Yes. That was fun. We threw out a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing we're supposed to have this dumpster for a week and we're like oh is that enough time i don't know and i think we had it two-thirds filled in like the first five hours it was here <laughs> it's like get rid of everything yay spring cleaning yes it was fabulous and they came and they took it all away and we didn't have to do anything else with it and the house looks no different no <laughs> Because it all came from the garage in the basement, yep. in the attic. But that was good. That yes, made me happy. That was good. I got hooked on a new podcast. Yeah, you told me about weeks. this podcast. It's quite the show. Well, you guys have to know, I, I'm always listening to something. I, I, I'm pretty good at multitasking. So if I'm, if I'm doing dishes or cooking dinner or laundry or working in the garage or whatever, I've usually got headphones on. And I listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I listen to a lot of podcasts too. And um, I just have this thing for British podcasts. Duh. I mean, you know. Yeah. Big shocker. I know. I used to listen to Gardner's Question Time 
compulsively, even though we've really never had a garden. I just, I just love the little old ladies. I'm Martha from Kent. I have a clematis that is a different color than it's supposed to be, and those snails are everywhere. It's always snails, slugs. So my latest obsession, and our UK listeners are going to think I'm very droll, is this show called Mystery Hour with James O'Brien. And it's a one-hour show, one time a week, but Audible just put a whole bunch of archives of it up so you can listen to it for free. Like 300 episodes. And literally, anybody calls in with any question, and other people call in with answers. Okay. And they could be anything. They could be, what is terminal velocity, and why do things reach a maximum speed? To, does the queen have a will? Or, oh gosh, there's just so many crazy questions that people ask. Oh, has anybody ever smoked a cigarette in space? And then other people call with the answers. Wow. That and sounds awesome. The goal is to get a, an answer for every question that's asked during the 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 hour. Yeah. They like to clear the board, they call it. Yeah. But I just find it fascinating. <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> their their promo is like you will know more at the end of this hour than you did when it started and that's absolutely true. That's a perfect radio show then. So I'm kind of a junkie for it now. <laughs> Speaking of the queen, we lost Philip. That's happened in the last two weeks. Yep. Amongst lots of other things in the news. But he, he definitely, he was the love of her life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So I feel for her. He was fun. He had his flaws, but he was fun. He's a royal. They all have their flaws. Of course. So. And we had one weird, wacky day of weather in Indiana. I know, shock. Yep. We literally had a day where it snowed. Yes. Sleeted. Then the sun came out. Then we had a lightning storm. Yes. In the same day. And snow like an inch of snow. Yeah. Like snow on the ground. Yeah. Like yep. you had to shovel it. Yeah. Snow. That was gone by afternoon. Yes. And then lightning. <laughs> uh, what a break we've had. Yes. But now we're back. And uh, we did watch some new Midsummers that were available on Acorn. Yeah. Season 22's episode one and two. Were released and we did a mini episode that was released today, uh, the day we're recording this. Yes, for the Wolf Hunter of Little Worthy, and then next Friday, which is uh, April thirtieth, we're going to release a mini episode on the Stitcher Society. Yep, and that's season twenty-two, episode two. Yes, spoiler-free mini episodes you can safely listen to before you watch the episode. But this episode is 82, Death in the Slow Lane, Season 14, Episode 1, full of spoilers. The first John Barnaby episode. And then once we get to May, we switch to regular-sized episodes. Well, we won't have any more mini-episodes until there are new episodes. Which are supposedly in the fall. We'll get the other four episodes of Season 22. Why why have to wait so long? Why does space them out like that? I don't understand that. I don't, I don't understand. There's a weird thing with the filming of this episode, too. In Just religion. to taunt us. Yeah. They dribble drabble them out. Uh, we made a charity donation based on our uh, merch, merch sales, sales yeah. of over $300. To, to Direct Relief. Direct Relief. Thank you, everyone who purchased something. Absolutely. Now, everything that you purchased goes to my guitar fund, so... Please buy more things. <laughs> All those big bucks we make. Yeah. What do we get, like $2 a t-shirt or something like that? 
Uh, we're not rolling in it. Something like of the merch. that, but we'd love to see pictures of you in your. That's why we do it, because it's just fun. Yeah, Plus, in your merch or using your merch. You wear your Midsummer Maniac gear, and maybe another maniac will recognize you and you'll bond. We've sold 14 stickers. I want to know where those stickers are. Yeah, why'd you stick it on? Yep. What? I just got a new laptop. I'm going to put a sticker on mine. Excellent. I don't care that it's a work laptop. What are they going to do about it? You run the show over there anyway. They're not going to do anything. No. I'm going to put it on there. And uh, just so you know, Midsummer, where you watch it has changed, right? So if you watch it on Prime, you can watch it on IMDb TV with commercials mm-hmm. uh, for all the seasons up to the new one, mm-hmm. I think. And then only the new one's available on Acorn TV. It's still available on Pluto TV, and I'm not sure where else that you can get it in other places, but I know the ITV player has the new two new episodes, too. Yeah. So so if you live somewhere where you're allowed to watch it that way. And don't change your VPN to... <laughs> not that I would do that. I don't do that. But there are services out there now that you can pay for that are specifically for that, so it's not like they don't know people are doing it. Yeah, well... People who make these shows deserve to be paid. That's all. I'm of course say. they do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. But they should also have as wide a viewership as possible. So this episode, 82, mm-hmm. Death in the Slow Lane, we do the last Barnaby episode. Mm-hmm. A week later, we film this episode. Wow. Yep. They filmed this episode a week later. So Neil Dudgeon was like on the side of the set going, okay, okay. Let yep. me in, coach. Okay. Let me in, coach. Like they tagged. Yep. And Neil was like, I'm in. I'm ready. <laughs> Broadcast date was the 23rd of March. And they must have had like a little party and then back to work. Yeah. 23rd of March, 2011, 6.4 million viewers. Directed by Richard Holdhouse, who's directed a bunch of them and written by Michael Aikens. I completely forgot that uh, John's wife, Sarah, is not even in this episode. No. I completely forgot that he moves. Anderson's a move. <laughs> Robinsons. Robinsons. I completely forgot that he moves there alone, and that she moves. She moves there after the end of the school term, of course, because she's a teacher or a principal or something at that point. That had totally slipped my mind. And so the neighbors stopping by to welcome him to the neighborhood in all of their weird ways, I completely forgot about that stuff. And it was delightful. Yes, they they were fantastic. I love it. The neighbors were awesome. What did he get? He got. Maybe that's who all those people are in the. Oh, in the the credits. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The cast has all these uh, lists of like Ned, Edna, Deidre. Yeah, that's what all all those people are. They're the neighbors. Yeah, he gets a lemon cake, he gets dandelion wine, and then the man who comes is like inviting him to be part of a men only wiggle wiggle eyebrow. I bet you they filmed about 10 of those. (laughs) Probably. Used only the ones that they (laughs) thought were super funny. He's like, yeah, can I bring my wife? Oh, never mind. Never mind. (laughs) So our cold opening starts on Silvertone Saturday. But we have no freaking clue what year this is. No, except that it's at least 45 years ago. Okay, so it's the British Grand Prix. Tony Brooks is in the Ferrari. Peter Fawcett is in his Lotus. This is Duncan Palmer wins the race. These are all people. They're tangentially related. To Palmer the- and Fawcett are really the only yep. two that are important. So they say 40 years ago when 
they find the body. But then later on, they see a... 45. It says 40. 45 on screen, and then they say 40. They say 40, and then they say four, four more years ago. It's been four years when the episode happens since they found the car and the body. Yes. So at first, I was looking at the 1966 British Grand Prix. Mm. So I looked into all that, and then I, I found out a weird thing that... Ferrari was sidelined due to an Italian metal worker strike. Oh. So in the 1966 one. So I was like, well, now I'm not a car guy or a race guy, mm -hmm. but there are race and car guys, especially in England. Oh, yeah. Who must have heard that and went, I'm sorry, Ferrari was not in that race. <laughs> that is incorrect. of the metal worker strike. Mm -hmm. So I, then I hear that it's four years earlier. I'm like, okay. 1962 Grand Prix Formula One race. It was held in Aintree on the 21st of July, 1962. Okay. Jim Clark won. 16 of 28 cars finished. I thought it was interesting that car number 38, John Campbell Jones, did not finish the race because the driver was unfit. <laughs> Whatever that means. I guess he got sick. Maybe. Why is it called Formula One? Do you know? No. I don't either. But I did find an interesting fact about the 1962 British Grand Prix. Okay. There was no Ferrari team because of an Italian metal workers. <laughs> How often are these Italian metal workers on strike? So so in both of those races. Both of those races. The two no races Ferrari. that you thought they might be referring to, there were Ferraris in neither of those. Well, now we know that. So these two young lovers find a dead body in a gun. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. I'm calling BS on that. Okay. How do you commit suicide and then pile hay on top of yourself? Okay. There's that problem. And how would the hay stick around for 45 years? Wouldn't it rot? Yes. There's okay. that problem. Okay. Do you, Those are your two problems? Yeah. Those are the bigger ones for me. Yeah. No, no. My big problem is you're 200 yards away from a school and you haven't been investigated every single inch of by students. Students don't mess with hay. In 40 years? <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't know how long. Well, we know it's been a school for a long time, and we know it was a school when it happened. Yes. So that is the best kept hay ever. Whatever that is, it is forever hay. And like they were like, oh, we don't want to go to the barn and drink and smoke and fool around. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, it's the just the geniuses of today place. are the only ones who have ever thought, that barn I can see from the front door, we should go there. <laughs> no, no, it's too far. 200, 200 yards is too far. <laughs> well, what I like is that if you walk out there, all you have to do is whistle and a boy appears. Yes. No matter what year it is, that's <laughs> all it takes. You go, I can't whistle. Yep. You go, whoop, whoop. And a, a, a boy just goes, hello, want me to make out with you? <laughs> in the barn? Oh, we can't go in there. No. no. The hay lives there. <laughs> the immortal hay. Lots of ropes and pulleys in there. Stay away. Then we get this great scene of Jones and John Barnaby getting to know each other. Yes. And getting to know Midsummer. Yes. And I love it. I, I love, love Peggy. I love that Jones knows everybody. Yes. Like, he is the townie, right? 
He's been there for a while. He's which, not the young kid anymore. Which I love is a it. problem because he moved there from Wales. We don't know when, but when he was way younger. He was we. Yeah. Like he's lived near his whole life. I don't know if it's Costin he's lived in, but he's been there for a while. But as a policeman, he has connected with this community. And Peggy in particular, she likes him. Well, she didn't like that Barnaby. He wasn't one of us. Wasn't our kind of person. He was there 14 seasons, at least. And well integrated into town. Yeah. I don't know who she thinks she is. Anyway, it's never our type of people. Yes. But I I like the play between Jones and John. I like that they just don't assume they're going to be besties from the very beginning. I like that Jones is a little bit bitter that he didn't get promoted, that they brought John in instead. Yeah. But he understands. Yeah. He gets over it. And I like that John is mature and seasoned enough to stand back and let Jones do his thing. Yep. To not say, I'll do all of this. He's he's like, I'm new. I need to observe. Yep. I would agree. I like that. Jones mentions a 1929 Bentley. Mm -hmm. And then he mentions Tim Birkin. You know who Tim Birkin is? No, no idea. He's one of a group of people called the Bentley Boys. Okay. Who raced in Le Mans in Bentleys in the 20s. Ooh la la. But what is more interesting is how this poor man died. Oh. On the 7th of May, 1933, he started the Tripoli Grand Prix in a new 3L Maserati 8C owned by a fellow driver. He finished third. During his pit stop, Birkin burnt his arm badly against the hot exhaust pipe while picking up a cigarette lighter. There are different opinions on what happened, but traditional view is that that turned septic and that he suffered also from a malaria attack at the same time, and the two of those things proved fatal, and he died in the Countess Caranova nursing home, which should have its own show. Yeah. Oh, you live at the Countess Caranova. In London on the 22nd of June, 1933, at the age of 36. Wow. Must have been a really bad burn. Yeah. I've got a weirder car-related death than that that's related to this episode, but we need to introduce the families first, so it'll make sense. Okay, so there's a school that's having a car show. Darnley Park. And that car show is being adjudicated by Peter Fawcett. Yes. One of the drivers in the car race that we saw at the beginning. And he is the father of Kate Cameron, who's married to Jamie Cameron. Who used to be. Yes. They were married. And Jamie's a trustee of the school. Mm-hmm. And his daughter, Charlotte, Charlotte. goes to the school. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's one family. And then the woman who runs the school, Harriet. Harriet Wingate. Her daughter also works at the school. Jessica. And she is doing the nasty with Jamie. Yes. They're in a relationship. Yes. <laughs> On a desk in front of a window. So? It's, a, it's not a problem. She's got no problem with it. She nope. wants to show everybody, apparently. Yep. Hey, look at my sex tape. Want to see my sex tape? <laughs> look at my sex tape. She just carries her laptop around. Yep. Anybody want to see? Anybody? No? Okay. This is proof that I do it. Yeah. <laughs> It's proof that I do it. (laughs) Peter Fawcett and his daughter, Kate, pull up in this car, and it is of an age that it has a crank handle start. 
Yes. Right? Older cars had these cranks that you put in the front and you turned it over once and that was enough to create the spark that started the ignition that got the car going. And this is David Warner and Samantha Bond. Mm Mm-hmm. Fantastically. We'll talk about them. Yeah. They do a great job. But right now, and there's no spoilers, the first murder is caused by this crank handle, right? But- there is an even more amazing death related to a crank handle okay. that I have to tell you about. You okay. want to talk about tragic. Cadillac was the first make of car to stop using a crank handle start. Okay. And it's related to this death. Oh. So in 1908, a woman was driving a Cadillac in Michigan, and it was, it was in the winter, and her car stalled, and she wasn't strong enough to start it again. So she was on the side of the road. Yep. And this guy named Byron Carter, who was the best friend of the man who started Cadillac. His name was Henry Leland. So Carter sees her and pulls over and offers to help start her car. Now, Peter Fawcett, David Warner in this episode, warns that these things can be dangerous, right? Yeah. He's, he's like gives Doggy Day advice on how to hold it and how to turn it. Yo, Doggy Day. Because if the car backfires while it starts... That thing will spin backwards towards you. Whoa. Okay. With all of the force. That, of the engine. Of, of the engine, right? Yeah. So this guy Carter, back in 1908, offers to help this woman start the car. And when he does, it backfires and it spins backwards and it hits him in the face. Okay. Hits him in the jaw, yep. breaks his jaw, and knocks him out cold. Okay. Then gangrene set in. Oh, and he died a month later. Tragic car deaths for 100, please, Alex. And his best friend, Henry Leland, who was the founder of Cadillac, said, we're not going to have crank starts anymore. They were dangerous. It killed my best friend. We're not going to do it. Now, it doesn't... But they still make cars with crank handle starts now. They got to have some safety thing on them. There are Jeeps and Land Rovers that are you, you, like real utility vehicles, like military-grade utility vehicles. Yeah. That still come with crank starts as a backup starter. As a backup. So it's to not the, the electric way you starter. don't have to start yeah. it that way. But if that goes out, you can crank it up. And it's just as dangerous. It's still bad. Wow. But never, ever did they end in a spike, by the way. No. Never. <laughs> a sharpened spike. Yes. I think that was just Kate Cameron being specially nasty. <laughs> this is my beautiful car. And since it's mine, I want my crank handle to end in a spike. I'm the greatest businesswoman in Europe, yet I'm desperately out of money. Yeah. <laughs> I have to sell drugs. Jones calls this a concours d'elegance. Ooh la la. So that's, that's like the third time I've said ooh la la in this episode. Of course. Of course, that's French, right? Yeah. But it's not about cars. It's a 17th century term from France where the aristocrats used to bring their fancy carriages and show them off. Wait a minute. We're supposed to believe Jones knows about that and just whips that reference out? No, no, no. Any car show in Europe is now called one oh, of these Oh, okay, okay. But the origin of the term That's has the origin. nothing to do with cars. Well, it has to do with conveyances. Vehicles. Vehicles. <laughs> I'm like, now, okay, now Jones is educated, but... Come on. <laughs> By the way, John Barnaby has a psych degree. Did you know that? Did you know that? He has, he, he has yeah. a psych degree. Yeah. So he's really just a psychologist. Basically, he may as well just be Freud with exactly. a badge. 
with a warrant card. The way everybody talks about it. Like, isn't he up himself? He's educated. No, he doesn't seem uppity to me at all. Well, Jones gets over that. So the school is losing money. Mm -hmm. And Jessica wants... Jessica and her beau... Yeah, Jamie Cameron. Jamie want to make it basically a school that's open to anybody. Right, because nearby there's a housing estate, a low-income housing estate that has some kids on it that could use the opportunity. But Harriet, the founder of Darnley School, is not going to allow that to happen because she's snob par excellence. And so the the car show is a way to raise money for this. Mm Mm-hmm. But we find out that Thomas Brightwell has been selling drugs through the school. Big surprise. Yeah. That Charlotte, the rich girl, fancy fancy with her knee high tights, is selling drugs. Yes. So we get this reference So to St. Trinian's. There's like three references to St. Trinian's. Yes. Do you know what St. Trinian's no, is? I don't know what St. Trinian's is. A lot of people will know it as a series of movies. Okay. About a girls' boarding school where mm. the girls get up to no good at all. All of the teachers are like sadistic and all of the girls are truant. Is this like they're delinquents? Up to no good 70s? Um, they made some in the 60s and then they've more recently remade a bunch of them. Okay. But they're based on a series of cartoons that I love. Okay. Um, cartoons meaning like print, comic. Cartoons. Oh, okay. We'll put some of those in the show notes. By Ronald Searle back in the 40s and 50s. Oh, okay. And they're hilarious. The girls are always up to something absolutely evil. <laughs> and the teachers are always in, like, they always know about it. Yes. So there's one where a teacher is, like, um, peeking into a door and um, inside the door, there are four girls who have another girl on a rack. You know, like they're going to tear her apart into yeah. four pieces. And the teacher says, Edna, turn that crank a little bit more. You're not doing it right. Oh, okay. Yeah. You so, know? Fun. so sort of like girls' school Adam's family. Yes. Okay. Very much like cool. that. Except they all have little bows in their hair and they're very That's proper. Nice. Except they're evil. Excellent. They're so funny. Kate Cameron wins European Businesswoman of the Year. And my very first thought is, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brexit. Well, and we get to find out that Jones has been helping to restore this car that they found. Yes, where, the, where they found the suicide. Yeah. So they're restoring that car. And he says, um, we get to see him in his coveralls. Like, he's still got his shirt and tie on underneath. Yes. He's got his coveralls on. And he says that he's become quite an anorak. Yes. Do you so, know what that means? Uh, anorak's a sweater, isn't it? It's a coat. Okay. But it's slang for nerd. Okay. Basically, anybody who has very deep knowledge into something that they're enthusiastic about that other people probably, most people don't know anything about. We wouldn't know any idea what that's oh, like. Oh, no. I, I am a multifaceted anorak, thank <laughs> you very much. Like, I have like five coats on if I'm an anorak. But, yep. um, I had heard it before, but I kn- and I knew what it meant, but I didn't know why anorak is slang for nerd. Yeah, why is? But it? now I know. Oh. So, do you know about offshore radio? About pirate radio? Yes. So during the sixties and the seventies and the seventies, uh, the BBC had a pretty much uh, a monopoly a monopoly on radio. On radio. Mm-hmm. Now they had BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, 
and the well-named BBC Four, but they weren't playing music that the kids were listening to. Right. So offshore on boats tankers and, and tankers, boats yeah. and things like this, they would broadcast these illegal radio stations. Yes. And the the government went after them. Mm-hmm. But it was it was a big deal for a while. Oh, there's a movie about it. I forget the name of the movie. And they weren't all they didn't all have that strong of a transmitter. Yes. So there were kids who would get in dinghies and stuff and go out into the water until they could pick up the pirate radio station. And they'd have parties on the water. Yeah. Yep. And they wore coats because it's cold. I would imagine. And so they called them anoraks because they were nuts for this radio. The first radio nerds. And knew all about it, right? We need a Midsummer Maniacs anorak. (laughs) And then in the 80s... It, it, so it kind of like faded out just a little bit. And then it came back as kind of a, um, a slang for train spotters because train spotters became, they kind of, there was a resurgence in yeah. love of old trains and stuff. And people started spotting trains again. And, it, and you know, it's like, again, it's like anybody who's really, really into something that most people are not into. Plus, it's outdoors. You got to kind of be outside in the cold to see the trains, and you yep. got to wear a coat. And so they're anoraks. Ah, okay. And remember in the Gil Mayo mysteries? Yeah. Remember we watched those? Their yes. science girl, they call her anorak. That's right, they do. Because she's their science nerd. Nice. Now you know. Now we know. I'm proud to be an anorak. That's fine with me. Absolutely. Off to the estate, which is. Morden Green in Slough. There's a big sign for it. Yeah. And they just walk on right by it. Morinden Green. Yes, Morinden Green in Slough. Which is actually Farnham Royal, and it's demolished. Yes. It's gone. Yeah, it's all gone. And Darnley Park, the building, is such a beautiful building they use for the school. Yep. It is a school. Okay. It, it didn't start as a school. It started as a country estate. Of course. But then it became Bearwood College, and now it's called Redham House, and oh. it's a school for 18 months all the way to high school. Wow. But it was also the school they used in St. Mally's Day. Oh, okay. In, in the, the Pudding Club. The Pudding Club. Spoon Man episode. My Giant Spoon episode. And it was in an episode of Endeavor. Oh, cool. It costs... Oh, let me ask you. If you were to send a child to that school, and you know what it looks like, it looks like that, right? Middle or high school student, so we're talking between 12 and 18, Yes. and you were going to board them there for the term, Okay. how much do you think it would cost per term? Per term? In British pounds. 50K British pounds. No. Oh. It's between 9 and 11,000 pounds per term. Oh, that's completely reasonable. That's school and board. That's sort of craziness. For that kind of school, yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, it's more than I would ever spend to spend, send a kid to high school, but wow, to live at that place. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the dorms are modernized and you can rent it now for weddings and stuff, but gosh, I love that building. It is so beautiful. The thing I like about Thomas Brightwell more than anything is that he was in Guys and Dolls. <laughs> the thing I like about Thomas Brightwell is Granny Brightwell. Oh, Granny Brightwell is awesome. She's played by Edna Dore, and she was 90 years old. Nice. This was her. This is her last credit, That's and she fantastic. was 90 years old. And she's, she's she slams that chain like she's like he's not home and slam. Yep. <laughs> she's wonderful. So now we go to the new Barnaby's house. 
with all of his boxes. I don't know if there's much more we need to say about that since we've already talked about the neighbors. Well, the one thing we need to talk about is our new buddy. Sykes! Sykes! I love Sykes. Sykes is so cute. He Sykes was, is our first dog. He's the, he, the first animal uh, in well, my credits. Well, no. What about Kilmowski? No, because Kilmowski was a one-time. Yeah, he, didn't, was a, he didn't even get a credit. Yeah. But Sykes gets a credit. Sykes gets a credit. What's his real name? Sykes. Oh, okay. That's cool. actually his name. That's good. Um, and he was adopted. He was a homeless dog. Oh. The handler uh, who had him found him. He's super well trained. Super smart. Yeah. Um, and before he was in Midsummer, he was in a bunch of commercials for was it Foxlight, Tracklight, something, um, some cable television thing that we don't have. It's here. an advertising agency for cable TV. Yeah. And the commercials are so awesome. We'll we'll link to them. Um, They're so cute. I'll put them in the show notes. It is super cute. The Robinsons have moved. He was a Parson Russell Terrier. And he was 18 years old when he died, oh. which is just about a year after his last episode of Midsummer. Oh, he he is such a good dog. Do you know what Sykes means? Well, Sykes is a character in Oliver Twist. Mm-hmm. But I don't it's know. also the name for somebody who lives by a stream or in a marsh, or has a psychology degree. Psych. <laughs> that would be P Psych. He's so good, though. And then he does pee on the car. He does. (laughs) I love that. He's supposed to be a drug-sniffing dog, and he just pees on it and runs off. (laughs) So back at the car show. We meet the other judge. David Warner meets the other judge. Oh, before we go on, I think my favorite thing at John Barnaby's new house is when he tells the lady, it's my medication time. (laughs) I'm going to use that at the door now. It's so fantastic. I'm sorry. It's my medication time. And then you just close the door and like, what? Like I said, they probably recorded about 10 of those and just picked the best ones. (laughs) Yeah. Then we get to meet Dave Dave Doggy Dave. Dave Dog Boy Dave. Who is the most 90s person ever to be on a Midsummer episode ever. Awesome. And... He's played by Luke Allen Gale, and I'm really glad that he got over whatever stereotypes were put on him, however he was typecast after playing this role, because he's a really good actor. He, um, he's in Vanderwalk. Vandervalk. Yes, that's right, he is. He's one of the cops in Vandervalk. Yeah. Oh, he's pretty. Yeah. He's pretty now. He's pretty He's now. got long, pretty hair. Yep. But man, does he pull this role off. He does. He's got the chains and the sunglasses. And I love when he's doing fist bumps with David Warner. David Warner. I'm sure David <laughs> Warner pulled him aside and go, 11, dude. Hit it to 11. Yeah. He's like, okay. Pull out the stops. Yeah. <laughs> he's so fun. Absolutely. And then our two favorite students show up. Beth Ann and Naris. They are Fantastic. They're like Laurel and Hardy. They are. All they do is giggle. <laughs> it's like Excalibur-like. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that Charlotte thinks she's pulling one over on them. Like she's running them like her little dogs. And they have her number completely the whole time. Yep. They're scholarship girls. They yep. come from the estate. They're not stupid. They have her figured out. They're using her. 
I think it's mutual, yeah. but she has no idea how much power they have over her until the end of the show where it's like, oh yeah, we've got all this footage of you doing bad things. <laughs> and I love um, Gwyneth Keyworth. She's the one who plays Beth Ann. Yeah, she's my favorite. She has these cute little teeth yeah. that she <laughs> she bites her lip all the time. And she's just so funny. They're just, they... Everybody in this episode is at 11, and it's fantastic. You can't count the scenes that they they leave giggling with one another. Yep. They just do it over and over again. Yep. It's so great. Barnaby tells a good joke in the pub. He does. Super straight face, too. Yeah. Tells a good <laughs> joke in the pub. I think that's, that's our sign that he's going to be just fine. Yeah. On his own, he can do this. Because he's a good cop. He understands. Yes. Yeah. Now, the car show is at the the school, right? Yes. Then why is there a lacrosse dress demonstration, and why are they not playing lacrosse? Because that is not anything like lacrosse. No, no. I think it's like a parents' day, too. It's like, look at all the things we do at the school. Yeah. So they kind of pretend to play lacrosse. I don't know a lot about it, but what I know is that Charlotte is not playing lacrosse well. No, and they all think she's amazing. She she gets the ball in her little net thing and then just runs around with it. I mean, like, okay, that's not going to happen that way. No, you got to do it or no sweeties. Oh, yuck. She's learned from her mother. So Kate's car has a battery box on the outside. It's like a storage box. And apparently in it is like, Loads of cocaine that is spilling out onto the bottom of the box. I guess. It's so ill-packaged that it leaks. Well, we'll talk about John Barnaby licking cocaine in a second. But And I guess she thinks that Thomas doesn't own a screwdriver. I, Where did she get a screwdriver? Excalibur. <laughs> All I thought of, because I'm such a mom, is when they run out of Charlotte's room carrying it, I'm like, don't run. Oh, you're going to stab yourself with that thing. Don't, don't trip. So then Kate says that she's going to dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of all the things, I thought the doggy day dog dude man <laughs> would be doing at 10 o'clock, which is kind of late for dinner, <laughs> though it appears to be in the middle of the night here, is reading a book and starting the car. <laughs> I think it's because he's actually interested in it. And I think he's actually interested in her as well. He I wants think to he, impress her. And I think he's interested in And he's genuinely in interested. Yeah. As a DJ. <laughs> a fellow DJ? As a fellow DJ. We do get interested in things. Because you have that little anorak streak in yeah. you, right? Yes. Well, I'm most impressed that he found a book. Yes. Specifically about how to start that car. <laughs> My comment is, he can read? <laughs> <laughs> of course he can. He also recognizes Charlotte and has this little line like, oh, Judge, I swear she said she was 25. Yes. There's no, there's no security at this school. By the <laughs> but see, that's the kind of St. Trinian's joke. Yeah, it is. Is that yeah. the kids are always up to a million things that yeah. the teachers either don't want to know about or don't know about. And that it means that the girls can kind of run wild while maintaining this exterior of polish, right? So they, they, they get away with all kinds of stuff without the outside world knowing. That's the thing. 
Okay. At the scene of the crime, wouldn't the the first thing George do be remove? <laughs> no. No. They wouldn't. Why would they not remove that? Because it's evidence and they need to see like how it went in to well, know. I know. Take some pictures, make your measurements, but then take that out. They would cover him up. Yes, they would. They would not put him on a gurney and then parade him past the entire town on the way to the ambulance. But they do a good job. Yes. Poor Doggy Day has got the big spike in him and he's still on that gurney. Jessica is really upset about the DJ's death. Okay, I think I would be upset even if I'd never met him. I agreed. He was impaled. Yes. And then Kate's like, um, I want my crank handle back. Oh my God, I can't believe you're taking my crank handle away. (laughs) It just killed somebody. Yeah, they're going to take it. Speaking of school mottos, did you see the school motto here? No. Yeah, it's Studio Septia Crescit. Which means what? Wisdom grows by study. Oh. Which makes kind of sense. I thought it was no bullshies allowed. Because <laughs> Harriet's like, oh, the whole family of bullshies. I do love the middle class. They're so cute. Yes. This is the world's longest car show because we're into day two of it now. And then Thomas just buys the MG. Yeah. With cash. Like, I know it was for sale, but, and I know he got the money from the drug dealing. Yep. But there's a little bit more paperwork involved. Yes. Before you just hand over a car to some young kid. She has balls, unlike her father. Mm. Oof. You don't want David Warner talking about your testicles. <sighs> Poor so, Jamie Cameron. <laughs> so, Jones mentioned six original Bugatti Royals here. Mm-hmm. A Tor Bugatti planned to make. 25 of these cars, and they were specifically for European royalty. Okay. But then this Great Depression thing happened. That kind of puts a damper on stuff, so, doesn't it? Uh, he only was able to sell three of the seven they made, and one of them got destroyed in a wreck. Yes, there were only six, but the seventh was destroyed in a wreck, and he only sold three of them. Wow. What an investment to make and then not make your money back at such a horrible time. Yes. Yeah, Fawcett's walking Jones around telling him about the cars, right? And he says that that they've built one, but since they built it from parts, it's not original. It's not real. Yeah, it's not real. They can't count it. I have a note here that says, a band, and there's a Midsummer song. What song do they play? Well, it's the Midsummer Brass Band. Yes. They've played at other events. And they play the same song that yeah. they played at other They events. didn't play the Midsummer theme this time. No, Last they, time we saw yes. them, they played the Midsummer theme. Yes. But they didn't do it this time. I can't tell you what they played. Since there's obvious bias and the fact that David Warner's sleeping with Samantha Bond, she's not going to get best in show. Because she whispers in his ear, yes. it's okay if you don't let me win. It's fine. Oh, a round of applause for my daughter who's not demanding that I let her win. Yes. Huzzah. Whatever. Not my daughter. Ew. Ah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Ah. Nick the Money. Nick the Money. Is the is, original gangster. Where is Nick the Money in other episodes? I want to see Nick the Money some I more. I want to see more of Nick the Money. Hanging out on the estate. Yep. Probably all, chilling with Granny uh, Brightwell. All you he's, know? he's a money man. He lends money at exorbitant interest yep. rates. And if you don't pay him, he visits Grant. 
<laughs> he goes and hangs out with grandma and six yep. her on people. Yep. Granny, that guy owes me 10 bucks. Go get him. Yep. <laughs> There's a weird scene here where Jones and Barnaby park the car and walk a little bit on the street. Mm-hmm. They're not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't know why they do that. The, what the, the, Where are they going and what are they doing? Is uh, They totally, split up. Yeah. And I'm totally obsessed with it because in the back is the Crown and Cushion Inn. Oh. Which I thought, that must be a uniquely named place. Uh-huh. No, no. There's three Crown and Cushion Inns. Oh, it's like the Feathers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Ghibli's is not a uniquely is a uniquely named place. What's Ghibli's? Ghibli's is a liquor store. Oh, so Ghibli's beside Crown and Cushion can only be one place on the high street in Windsor. In oh, United Kingdom. There you go. Yep. Good sleuthing. Yes. Harriet has a video, and she wants to show everybody. No, Jessica. no, no. Jessica wants to show everybody. This is proof that Jamie and I do it. The gutter press. <laughs> So you think Beth Ann and Neris recorded that? I think so. Because they're <laughs> like out the window. <clears throat> they're probably they probably grew up to be paparazzi. Uh no video assignment that I ever assigned ever got anything interesting like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh Barnaby says to Jones, we're just the wooden tops. Yes. Do you know what wooden tops are? It means cops. Yeah. Well, it's the term that plainclothes policemen use to refer to uniform policemen. Yes. So it's like kind of like common policemen. Yeah. Um, but the first ever episode of the bill. Yeah. Like the pilot is called Wooden Tops. Now, I know that the original bobby hats were leather. Yeah. They weren't wood. They weren't wood. But it's, it's a reference to the helmets, the hard yeah. helmets. Yeah. <laughs> but... There was also a British TV show for kids called The Wooden Tops. <laughs> Isn't it like a little bit like Bell End too? No. Well, The Wooden Tops TV show in the 1960s is black and white, and it's about a bunch of a family of puppets. Okay. Marionettes who are as creepy as all get out. Oh, well, I'll have to put that in the show notes. I too. mean, super creepy. Super creepy. With a voiceover that's like, Jack and Jill are going to go play with the doggy now. I mean, it's like, <laughs> ew, ah. It's weird. By the way, the Robinsons have moved. <laughs> <laughs> so then we find out that Harriet had an affair with Duncan Palmer before he shot himself and that Jessica is his daughter. Yes. Right? So Harriet has some dirty laundry. She's not Little Miss Perfect, even though she's, you know, queen of the school, um, head snob in chief, uh, that she's not perfect. And so Jessica's going to put a little bit of pressure on her about that and about the tape to get her way to ensure the future of the school. Meanwhile, Kate and her father are icking it up at the pub. (sighs) I never thought I would have to say these these words together. I've had enough incest. Well, I'm done with that. We know it's not incest, but <laughs> only because we've seen it before. We, but until you find out that she's not his daughter, yeah, it's it incest. is. And even after that, it's still gross. She calls him daddy. That's gross. Yep. They're letting the rest of the world think that they are father and daughter. Yep. And that's enough for me to say, ew, the yuck meter goes to 10. And then. 
we go to the weirdest nightclub in London. Darks. Why is it called Darks? I don't know. Okay. Charlotte tries to sell Coke to an undercover cop there. Everybody who is in this scene has never been to a London nightclub. <laughs> it's not London. It's a Costin nightclub. You know, no, the big city. No, I think it's supposed to be London. Oh, she doesn't go that far. I don't know. Well, wherever she is, they call the local cops and say, is this one of yours? Did you see the guy in the white shirt in the nightclub? No. Oh, he's got to be 60. Easy. (laughs) He definitely is older than me. Also, that is not what a DJ station looks like in a nightclub. (laughs) But I could go off on that all day. But there's easily a guy who's 60. I'll put his picture in the show notes. They probably just he found... way too old They to probably be found a local school that was having a dance night and filmed the one scene there. Oh. And he's probably a teacher or something, getting down and getting no funky. One, no one who has anything to do with that scene has ever been to a nightclub in their lives. Nor would you leave your purse that's got thousands of dollars worth of cocaine in it with, yeah. in it with some girl who's sitting at a table. Yeah. You know, like, just you just wouldn't do that. Scene of the crime. So Kate's battery box on her car gets pried open with Excalibur by yes. Thomas Brightwell. And he takes the drugs and sells them through Charlotte. Right, and gets the money to buy the MG and then goes off driving and crashes. But later, Kate's battery box lid is perfect. It's perfect. It gets replaced. This is an old, rare car, and yeah. she just happens to have access within the same day to a replacement part that is a perfect replacement. Well, Harriet has an excuse, too. It was the 60s. We were bonking everybody. Yeah, <laughs> but I couldn't possibly marry him. No. And that's why he killed himself. Yes. Over her? No. Also, can I be pedantic? Sure. There are three Charlie's Angels, and there are only two of the girls. <laughs> Charlie's Angels are three characters. Are you waiting for Farrah Fawcett to just show up in a schoolgirl outfit? Is that it? Three (laughs) characters. Oh, never mind the fact that Charlotte is clearly 29. She's 25. Yeah. The actress is 25. way older than everybody else at that school. No wonder she does so good at lacrosse. It's because she's a grown woman. (laughs) I think she pulls it off. Gosh, that scene... Where Neris and Beth Ann are helping her get dressed to go to the nightclub oh. makes me so mad. Until you know that they are totally not her toadies. Yes. Really. Yeah. Until you know that, that scene just makes me so angry that she's like, frock, jacket. Yes. Eyebrow pencil. That's also how you not get ready to go to a nightclub. You never put on a dress sitting down in no, a chair. No, Not even a little tube tank dress like she's putting I on. I even know that. There, again, there is no security in this school. Is, is that not how you put on your frocks before you go no. to the club? No. Oh, no. okay. You don't sit in front of the mirror in your nope. matching bra and underwear? Nope. Oh. Nope. Okay. I've never been much of a nightclub person, so I don't know. She's no daughter of mine. <laughs> I love how he says Sykes doesn't come when he's called, so he has to carry him. Yeah, and then but then he just lets him loose. He lets him loose, and then did you see what was the last part of that scene? He calls Sykes, and Sykes comes. <laughs> he's a good dog. He's a super good dog. So they they investigate Kate's car and magically get the battery box open with the new lid. Yeah, find the coke. 
and Barnaby tastes it. Yes. We've seen this done a million times on TV. Of course, policemen really don't do that. It would be the stupidest thing. It would be super dumb. Yes. First of all, you don't know what that substance is. No. Second of all, if it is cocaine, you've immediately tainted yourself and the evidence. Well, there's a little bit of truth, just a little bit, because back in Victorian times, when opium was a lot more common, any kind of heroin, opium, cocaine, if you touch it to your tongue or your gums, it immediately numbs it. It numbs it, yes. And so... Not that I know anything about Somebody any might have done that at some point... Maybe in the 19th century. But more than likely, it was a chemist whose hands were not as clean as they wanted them to be and discovered that it numbed your skin, right? But no policeman has ever thought, police person has ever thought that was a good idea. However, at least one real life police officer in the U.S. has died doing that. Oh. Because the powder was ricin. Yeah. That actually happened. That, that's why you don't do it. You don't know what it is. It could be rat poison. It could be cocaine. It could be anything It in could between. be cocaine rat poison. Yeah. You have no idea. Inspector Jap does it twice in the David oh, Suchet Poirot yeah. episodes. Jap does it twice. I get, it gets me angry both One's times. cocaine and one's heroin. Yeah. Which just makes me think that Jap should be like, <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> he should be like, moving like really, really fast or something. But my favorite reference to that, they call it the taste test, right? My favorite reference to that, to that is in Charade. Have you ever seen Charade? Charade is... With Audrey Hepburn yes, and Cary Grant. Where there's a particular item that's worth a lot of money. I love Cary Grant. Yes, Charade is very good. Right. So they're looking for something in her husband's luggage that might make him worth murdering. Yes. Basically. And so they're going through his luggage together and they, they find tooth powder. Yeah. And he tastes it. Cary yeah. Grant tastes it. And because they think maybe it's cocaine. Yeah. Maybe that's why he got killed because he's got this, because that would be a big stash of cocaine. It's it an entire be. tin of tooth powder. Yeah. And he says it's either peppermint flavored heroin or it's really tooth powder. <laughs> I love that scene. So while we're on Kate's car and the investigation, yep. John says, get Bullard out here with his uh, spectrometer. Yes. Do you know why? To sn- it's like an electric nose, right? Electronic uh, nose. No. Okay. Yeah. Nah. Spectrometers are... Well, first of all, it's the wrong word. Okay. He should be saying um, spectrophotometer. Okay. Uh, a spectrometer is part of a spectrophotometer. Okay. These things are, simply put, amazing. Okay. So they use light to identify a substance. Okay. So it's not a nose. So you don't have to sample it. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you don't can... even have to put it on a slide. No. You literally aim the thing at the stuff, and it says what it is. Awesome. What's even more amazing is that there are now portable ones that look like a scanner, like yeah. you would have at the grocery store to scan stuff. Okay, so yeah. imagine that, and you can point it up to something up to six feet away. Whoa. And it can tell you what it is. They also work through paper bags, through any transparent Medium, substance. Because it's light. Glass, plastic, yeah. anything. They can work, um, like, you can aim them into a bucket, and it will tell you what's in the bucket. Oh, my gosh. They're incredible. Those are super cool. They cost $30,000. Oh, we're not buying one. They're worth every penny, though, every don't you think? Penny. 
To a forensics person? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, that's dog blood. That's cat blood. That's pee. That's water. I mean. Yeah. They just, it just does it. Yeah. It's incredible. That's Sykes pee and that's cocaine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It can even tell you what a fingerprint is made of. Like that's motor oil in that fingerprint. That's, that's skin oil. That's an incredible, science is amazing. Isn't that awesome? That's super I had no idea they were that advanced. I went down this big rabbit hole looking at these things. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it actually does that. I mean, it looks like something Star Trek. Yeah. and But they're real. It sounds it's, like. It, they're awesome. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. We return to the interrogation of Kate and Charlotte and the lawyer. I think Kate's been in an interrogation before. I think so too. She and her lawyer have secret eye signals yes maybe they've been there before (laughs) and she asked to go forthwith (laughs) and barnaby says that they need a tick Mm -hmm. and then he says the greatest thing in this episode get the gizmo trolley the gizmo trolley (laughs) i knew you'd love that i was like that's the name of the episode right there gizmo trolley (laughs) <laughs> Which is really just a laptop and a DVD player, I think. <laughs> but wow, what a fantastic name, the Gizmo Trolley. Did you see the diagram of uh, Thomas Brightwell's crash on the whiteboard? Yes. It's awesome, too. I got a screenshot of well, that. On that whiteboard, also the constable, the the uh, WPC, who who is like in this scene and another scene. Yeah is writing like totally irrelevant older stuff that we all know already. Yeah. <laughs> it's like somebody gave her the whole case file and said, write all of this up on that erase board. Yes. But I love that, that diagram of the crash site. <laughs> so Barnby is called to the barn. This is dumb. Yeah. I've praised him as a well-seasoned policeman who knows what he's doing. Yes. And then he goes to confront a killer alone without telling anybody where he goes that's stupid it is there are so many problems with this scene because first of all like what is david warner like 75 in this scene yeah but he's strong because he can haul that guy he can call john up on a rope on a pulley i gotta think that he can move like the flash (laughs) well i love that john walks into the barn he's talking and then peter fawcett responds but he can't see him. Yep. So he knows he's hiding in there. So I'll just wander around. Until he hits me with a big piece of wood. Yep. And then we get the villain scene. Let me tell you my master plan. Well, it's David Warner. <laughs> yes, that is of true. Of course he does that. Just let me just list off a few movies, a few oh, TV oh. shows where David Warner has been the villain and given away the whole story of the okay. crime. Okay? okay. Are you ready? Yes. Because... This is the role that that he he was born to play, is the villain, okay? He plays Chancellor Gorkin, a Klingon, in Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. In The Undiscovered Country, yep. He's Thomas Eckerd in Twin Peaks Season 2. Is he a bad guy there? Uh, Yes. Okay. Sinjin Talbot, a human in Star Trek The Final Frontier. Yes. Gull Madrid, a Romulan in Star Trek Next Generation. Yes. Um, he plays the evil genius in Time Bandits. Yes. Jack the Ripper in Time After Time. Yep. 
The only exception is the Omen. I, he's not a bad guy in the Omen. No, in the Omen, he plays the guy who tells the truth that nobody believes. Yes. <laughs> and he, gets his head cut off for he, it. He also voices a character um, in a, a cartoon movie called Biker Mice from Mars. Yeah, I remember that cartoon. And he's the voice of the Lobe on the Freakazoid cartoon. Yeah, I remember that. Do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube, Google The Lobe Freakazoid Song. Okay, and we'll put it in the show notes, too. It's all the evidence you need that David Warner has an incredible sense of humor because he sings a song as this character who is a giant brain. Yes. With a speech impediment. Yes. And it's hilarious. I'm sure it is. He's so funny. He is so funny. I remember the first time I saw Time After Time, the H.G. Wells. Yep. Movie where he plays Jack the Ripper with Malcolm McDowell as, yeah. as H.G. Wells. I think I was probably a little bit too young to see it. He terrified me. Yeah, he was. I remember seeing absolutely that. scary. Oh, and he's in Tron. Yeah, he's in Tron too. Um, where he plays a bad guy, a bad guy. Yeah, the bad guy. But as Jack the Ripper, he he really scared me. Yeah. And he, and it wasn't because he was like wielding a knife and ripping people open left and right and center. He didn't have to do that to be terrifying. He was scary. I just remember him in Time Bandits mostly. Yeah. Like lasers, to, 8 a.m. <laughs> I went to see that movie as a young child, probably before I should have seen that movie. Before you got all the references. And and he is he's just so fantastic. And his character is just called the evil genius. The evil That's genius. That's his name. That's what he is. <laughs> if you haven't seen Time Bandits, do yourself a favor, watch that. It's really good. So he sings Goodnight, Irene. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's a weird song to sing. Yeah, he's got Barnaby up in the rafters over the farm equipment. That appears out of nowhere. Yeah, it wasn't there before. It was not there before. He must have brought it. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he just carried it. Maybe it still has David's blood on it. Because he's from so the other, strong. The other scene. That, oh, that, the other time somebody got impaled yeah. on a piece of farm equipment in a barn. Yeah. I think that was a thresher, though. This yeah. is like a tiller. Just something. <clears throat> Yeah, hauls, hauls up this 200-pound man on a rope. Yep. By the way, if he actually was hauled up like that and not on the harness that he's actually in... He wouldn't be able to breathe. He wouldn't be able to breathe. He'd be dead almost instantly. I don't know if he would be dead, but he would certainly be wouldn't suffocated. be able to have a little dialogue. Yeah. If it was tight enough uh, to support him, it would be squeezing the breath out of him. And if it was loose enough not to be doing that, and he's kind of hanging by his armpits, then he could just straighten his arms and slide out of it. Yeah. I'm, which would not be a good idea. I but. wonder if they played pinata with him while he was up there. <laughs> Swung him around a the, little bit. The Barnaby pinata. So you're more familiar with Barnes than I am. Yep. So uh, Fawcett is standing there with his hand on a handle that the rope goes in and out of. Yes. Is that some kind of mechanized winch? I guess. That he might have used it, to haul him up there? What I'm assuming is the group that fixed the car in this barn mm-hmm. probably added some things to like lift up the engine like you see in, an, in a yeah, but You do that garage. with chains, not with you rope. You do that with chains, not rope. Yeah. Right? So there are lots of rope in barns and there are lots of pulleys because you lift up hay and yeah. stuff like that. But that switch thing, that was a magic box. Okay. That was a magic David Warner villain box. Okay. Um, 
And then there's a lot of barbed wire there too that I'm constantly thinking, don't fall on the barbed wire. Don't, yeah. don't trip on the barbed wire. Can somebody just move the barbed wire? Yeah. Can you just move it away out of the path? Yes. Yeah. He does his. <laughs> when they do the recreation of the crime here, um, the kid who buys the car and goes into the forest because of it, mm-hmm. would he not been thrown from the car? Not if he had a seatbelt on. I think he would have been thrown anyway. A little MG like that might have a four-point harness instead of just a seatbelt if it's kind of a racing car. By the way, I don't believe in God. (laughs) Just drops that out of nowhere. I thought it was strange in the recreation of um, Palmer uh, being killed that he goes to meet Harriet at the barn. He's tricked into meeting Harriet at the barn and then Fawcett kills him there. But he drives his race car there. Yeah. Like, what? is that his just everyday car? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you drive your race car there? He just drives it, you know, to the store and whatever. And bring your race car. Ooh la la. That's your fourth ooh la I la. know, that's four. Um, I just thought it was weird that he drove that. Yeah. And, and what car went in the water in the Lake District? The whole Lake District thing is stupid. It's a red herring. It's... In, in the story, it's a red herring. Yeah. It's to make them think that he died in an accident there instead. Yes. Jones saves the day. Right. I like that Jones saves the day. I here. do too. And I like that he then teases John about not letting him down. Yes. We might need some crime scene photographs, yes. you know. <laughs> Tom said you were the right stuff. Yeah. That's a great By line. the end of the episode, they're copacetic. We trust John Barnaby. It's all good. By the way, end of episode. Bang! Bam! <laughs> Done. Done! And best corpse? So, I'm going to go doggy day. You have to. Yeah. He gets carried away on a gurney, impaled on a big crank handle sticking yep. out of him. Yep. Dave doggy day. Plus, he's just a better character even when he's alive. So, you just have to go with that. Okay. Yeah. After the credits. Okay. Harriet is... Sells the car and is off. Yeah. Jessica and Jamie changed the school and it's now a public school. Peter Fawcett goes to jail. Mm-hmm. But like, is like, okay, I go to jail. I'm sure he runs jail when he's there. Yeah, really? <laughs> like, What about no- Kate? Do you think Kate goes to jail? Kate uh, was selling drugs. I think there's a lot more crimes behind Kate and her trucking company. Yeah. Like, where is all that cocaine coming from? In Europe? Yeah. Yep. Charlotte won't go to prison. No. What I want, the the thing I want from the after the episode is the Neris Beth Ann crime show. Yeah. That where they're either WPCs or uh, like low-level detectives. Yeah. And they investigate crimes yeah. with their video cameras. Yeah. And they run off giggling at the, at the end of every scene. I would absolutely love that. I feel bad for Granny Brightwell because she, I think Thomas took care of her yeah. and now she's on her own. Well, maybe Nick will take care of her. Oh, you want Nick the money taking care of Granny? You know, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 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 I've got a bad movie for you. Okay. I think these are going to be thinner on the ground as we go forward I, because the I, extras and the, the special... Um, guests in the episode get younger and younger. Yeah, I gotta say that we're not gonna have a lot of 70s Hammer movies. But while we have David until, Warner... Until we have the 70s... Until we have the the 
the Hammer movie episode. Yeah. Which is coming up, too. Oh, but, my God. There's so many good episodes coming up. But while we have David Warner, you know we've got a bad movie. Oh, I'm sure we do. And, and I've already listed a bunch of good stuff he was in. He He's a hardworking man in show business. Has been for a long time. Yeah, he gets lots of work and works very hard. But this movie is special. Okay. It's from 1974. 1974. David Warner. So this is before Omen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's got long hair. Yeah. Yep. Here's the synopsis. An art student is thrown out of college. Depressed... He comes up with the party of dynamic erection, a near fascist party that promotes male sexual dominance and which attracts a couple of other unsavory, confused characters. This movie was produced by George Harrison of the Beatles. Oh, yes. So it's a hand. It may have been the first handmade films. Apple. Oh, it was was even before handmade because handmade films was what George Harrison's production company became. This was produced before the Beatles officially split up. Yeah. So it, it had all that legal trouble. It stars David Warner and John Hurt. Oh, my gosh. I've never heard of this movie, and I desperately want to see it now. It is called Little Malcolm and His Struggle Against the Eunuchs. Wow. And it is weird looking. David Warner's character is named Dennis Charles Nipple. <laughs> There's a stage play that's sort of similar to it that it's kind of based on, but not really. I wonder if David Warner and Christopher Lee ever did something together. I don't know, but this is Little Malcolm and his struggle against the eunuchs. Oh, I'll have to put some stuff in the show notes about that. You might need to be careful about it, though, because this the, the party of dynamic erection, their logo is a bit explicit. It's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. But Wow. I was just looking wow. at the, the photos from it, like, what? Huh? Well. What? The Beatles were. It takes itself super seriously, too. The Beatles were experimenting with a lot of things then. This is only George Harrison. Nobody else was involved okay. in it. But, wow. But David Warner, he looks so young. And John Hurt is, like, pretty-faced. and Yeah. John Hurt was a pretty good-looking guy. Yeah. Before an alien came out of his chest. <laughs> I love that scene. It's so good. You can find... Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter, Instagram, and email. We also post in the Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn, the subreddit, and everywhere else you find other maniacs. Oh, we've found some interesting maniacs lately. Yay! Which will hopefully lead to some interesting things in the future. So the next episode you're going to see is a mini episode for the Stitcher Society. Yes. And then we'll get on to uh, season 14, episode two. Dark Secrets. Dark Secrets. Which is the horror episode. We will see you in Dark Secrets. Bye, Maniacs. Bye, Maniacs. Yeah, we lost poor uh, Prince. What is his name? I can tell you're real sad about it. Not Prince Charles. Not William. Not Henry. Oh. Elizabeth and you're gonna cut all this. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. I'm look this up now. Oh. John James George Henry Hank. He's German, but it's not Hans. No. Philip. Philip.